0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bridging Impact podcast, the podcast that passes wisdom from generation to generation. And today's guest is Bailey Holloway. Bailey is the Social Impact Director at the League Apps. And in our conversation today, we talk about everything underneath the sun regarding female sports, the importance of female sports and the ripple effect it has on all of society. We talk about also some really good tips for coaches to make sure girls feel included and so much more about how we can really impact the next generation of female athletes that will then really make an impact on our society. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, Bailey, and welcome to the Bridging Impact Podcast. I'm thrilled to have our conversation today, and I'm thrilled to talk about everything under the sun female sports and just the impacts that it has, not only just on, you know, the individual level, but on the society level. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am so excited to be a part of this podcast and I'm really excited for the things we're gonna dive into today.
0: Beautiful, I am as well. And so without further ado, our, the first question we ask all of our guests is, what is your definition of impactful leadership?
1: Yeah. Um. So my definition, uh, the first, things that come to mind for me when I think of impactful leadership are listening and learning. Uh, I grew up uh, like believing I was a leader. I was a captain on my sports teams. I uh, like was a part of different groups and student government. And I, I believed I was a leader. And I think that I did a good job. And then it wasn't until my freshman year of college that I realized I wasn't a very good listener. I was prescribing what I thought people needed. And when I had that wake up moment, it was very profound. It was actually at a leadership conference. conference. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that I had gone on so long, like thinking that I knew what I needed to be a good leader. And then I just like, didn't allow myself to grow. So, The reason why I think listening and learning is a critical part of impactful leadership is because if you, as a leader, can create an environment where people are able to be the best versions of themselves, they're not afraid to uh, try and fail or pursue their passions. Like, if you're enabling people to live their most authentic life under your leadership, then you're going to have um, better outcomes. Your goals that you're going to accomplish, they'll be accomplished. And also they are gonna be more diverse in their uh, like, in the way that they end up being because you're allowing people to um, really express themselves fully. So that's that's my uh, wrapped up definition of impactful leadership.
0: I love it. And I think that was a big shift for me too, that I realized, especially when I was working with first grade kids, like, you know, like there's that, I I, I just watched the movie Matilda and it's very funny because it's like I'm the adult, you're the kid, like to the the extreme, right? And so when I was doing that, when I was in that role, I was, you know, like really just like thought they always needed to be told what to do but I started asking them more questions and listening. And I think that's been something that's really helped me as a leader and also be able to connect with, you know, the athletes or with my team members, you know, that builds that relationship because I feel like, like you're kind of talking about, you're always learning and and you want to have that influence on someone. You can't have an influence on them if you're always talking at them and always being the, you know, kind of the dictator leader of where, where you're dominating the room and talking all the time so
1: yeah absolutely and like shouldn't the goal of every leader be the development of the people that they're leading like they should be able to see Mm. themselves in a position of leadership and the only way you can help them get there is by making them feel like recognized and validated
0: yeah, no, hundred percent. They have to feel like they want to belong. That that not like they want to belong, but they actually do belong. And that's a perfect way to shift over to our you know topic and conversation around female sports because sports in general it can be just such a masculine like you know like boys boys versus boys. You know, thinking about football, even basketball, and just the the world of female sports. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. For for me as a as a male coach and as a former male athlete and learning about what I how I can be better and more inclusive. So my first question for you is just, you know, kind of talking about the broader scheme of, you know, female sports. Can you talk about the impact it has just on general society?
1: Yeah, um, well, women's sports are really pillars in their communities in ways that I see male sports are not as often. Um, Like female athletes are constantly going above and beyond their role as an athlete and celebrity to actually make their community better. Mm. Um, We'll do two examples. I'm a soccer and basketball nut. So the NWSL and the WNBA are my two leagues. the WNBA was the first league to um, start like protesting for Say your say Her Name, Black Lives Matter on the court after the murders of George Floyd and Brianna Taylor in 2020. And like they, it wasn't even a question. It was just like these female athletes are just fierce advocates for equality and they have been. And, um, the work that they've been doing to advocate for Brittany Griner's release because she's been detained um, unfairly in Russia. Like, that's just one way. The NWSL also, like, as we are developing as a league, you may not know this, but this is actually the third professional women's soccer league to exist in the United States. There were two prior that have both folded since. There was, like, some, not like scandal, but, you know, saucy things that kind of kept yeah. the league from being able to flourish like like a traditional sports league. Um, so the NWSL, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year. Um, we as N fans of the league and like, yeah. <laughs> and um, with like our league, this is the like longest established professional soccer league in the U.S., and so, of course, like more cities are popping up to have their own teams. And there's been two expansion teams added this past year, both in California, actually, so your neck of the woods, yep. um, Angel City, yep. S- FC Angel City. And San Diego Wave. Um, Go Angel City. I know I went and watched the Thorns, my home team, play Angel City FC um, okay. when I was home a few months ago awesome. in Portland. And it was it was awesome. Like Angel City FC. Within their first year of existence, already has a huge fan base, Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but Julie Foudy, uh, who is an investor in the company I work at, League Apps, she's also one of the owners of Angel City FC. And I actually met her the day before the game before I came home, and I was like, "Just so you know, Julie, I'll be seeing your team play tomorrow, but I'm going to be rooting against them." Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
1: Um, But (laughs) always. It was so cool. It was like a life dream. Um, But looping back to the point, like Angel City FC, they are a non-traditional sports club. Like their whole goal is to be a part of their community. And what that means for them is um, actually being really intentional about who owns and makes decisions on behalf of the club, Um, having a really direct impact. Like this year, they've donated over uh, 75,000 uh meals and 1500 or 15,000 sports bras just to kids in their communities like they have been so involved in like actually advancing people who typically are forgotten in societal efforts um which is just like why i'm obsessed with women's sports particularly soccer and basketball
0: So as you, as I hear you talking, I'm trying to take down some notes. It's just like that female sports are just integral to the community and thinking about i do remember you know a couple years ago with the pandemic and you know they the WNBA players were the first people to speak up and i also just didn't know you know i knew that angel city is actually it's a big deal over here and so i haven't quite caught a game yet and i've had some friends go and they look like lit they're like sold out and like they're they're popping and it's really cool to see how much that that they're you know supporting the community and donating sports bras and like doing these things that probably include um, more warm women and more female athletes in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you'll definitely have to make your way to a game because um, they're also doing pretty well this season. Nice. So we love winning. We just love to see women's sports shine, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah we do <laughs>
0: so so with that can you can you talk about the broader effects right You, you we've, you've kind of touched on these community effects and, and you talked a little bit about how female sports are different than male sports could you you know kind of expand on that a little bit more i know you touched on it a little bit
1: um well this is actually a really well-timed conversation given we just celebrated the 50th year of title nine um like about two weeks ago um which Title IX has done so much for the advancement of women's sports, and it's funny because Title IX was originally created to um, create equitable opportunities within education, but um, the sports community has completely taken that under their wing. There's still a long, long way to go. Like, for example, um, the amount of sports opportunities that girls and women have today is still less than what men had in 1972 before Title IX was passed. Um, We know that, like, the average girl drops out of sports um, around age 13, 14. We know that um, there's only, like, 4% through 5.4% of media coverage actually covers women's professional sports out of all sports coverage, despite women's professional athletes making up about 40 percent of professional sports um so we have come so far in the last 50 years um just anecdotally like my grandma has always been really supportive of me and my sisters playing soccer and basketball growing up and she always like came to all of our games and cheered us on and it wasn't until in high school when i had a conversation with her i'm like so what sports did you play and she was like Well, we weren't really allowed to play sports, and in PE, we would do cheerleading. All I really was allowed to do was cheerleading. And so when I got to call my grandma on the 50th anniversary of Title IX, we were just talking about how grateful she is that, like, she got to see her family and, like, granddaughters live in a better world than the one she grew up in, because, like, I think... It's shown statistically, whether we're talking about uh, fewer rates of incarceration, like better health statistics, physically and mentally um, better, like academic uh, performance for kids who are involved in sports, like having those opportunities sets people up for success in their life and in their careers. And when those opportunities are disproportionately given to, to boys rather than girls, that's a systematic failure. Um, so what I am hoping to do in my life's work is work to make sport access, soccer's kind of my bread and butter, um, but work to make sure that every girl who wants to play sports is able to safely, accessibly, and in a cost-friendly way.
0: No, uh, I love that. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm thinking so much as, as a coach, right? And I think you talked about, you hit on an early point that, uh, you know, most girls drop out of sports by the age of 13 and 14, right? They're not even playing pickup on the park. Like, you know, boys probably more so feel more comfortable with, with sports and are playing pickup even if they don't play on their high school basketball team. Like I think about for me uh, in my role is I want to, you know, make sport as fun and accessible for as many people as possible so they can play after they're 18. You know, I, I remember talking to you. You know about a month ago now. You, you said yeah, you're like I'm in like three female soccer leagues, and I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your story and like why sport is so important to you, and then how we can maybe you know translate that and, and keep including more and more people into sport, especially females.
1: Thanks for bringing up that I play sports now because I actually scored a goal in my Let's game. And it felt very good, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I uh, studied essentially sustainable development in college. And I wrote my thesis about housing inequality in informal housing communities in South Asia and how climate change will disproportionately affect people with unstable housing or that lack the right to tenor of the land that they're living on. Um, so I'm very passionate about climate change and housing and Honestly, I took a sports break during college. Like I competed in a mock trial. That was like my sport in college. I always joked. And at the time I was going through this like personal feminist like, eye-opening experience. And I was like, sports are so patriarchal. I'm so upset that most teams are owned by white men, that there's such great uh, like gender parity uh, or such a lack of gender parity in pay. Um, And I was so angry. And then the pandemic happened. I was like, okay. And then I just, I don't even know what it was. But just like this wave overcame me where I was like, wow, actually, I can't discount women's sports the way that I did the past few years. Because after studying sustainable development, I understood that when you look at how women's sports are played across the world, what kinds of sports women are given access to, it says so much as a metric for measuring development and gender equality globally. Like, yes, it may be legal for girls to play sports in a country, like Brazil legalized Uh, women playing soccer uh, two years before Title IX was passed in the U.S. So, like, women were legally not allowed to play soccer in Brazil until 1970. Well, it's beyond the legal part. It's where, okay, how can we understand how much families and parents can and are willing to invest in their daughter's athletic, like, potential and leadership potential and, like, extracurricular activities? So that's kind of when I had that reckoning moment, I was like, oh, my God, like, this all makes so much sense in my life. And then I just started to dive in headfirst and, like, being an obsessive fan. And I bought and read, like, tons of books about women's sports, inequalities in sport. Um, And, yeah, that's kind of when the pieces clicked together for me. And, yeah. Yeah.
0: So you talked about the metrics. I'm curious about, uh, like, I think you briefly touched on it, but I'd love to, you know, hear more about the importance for, you know, what, what does the data say that, like, if, you know, there if, if there are more female sports, what, what happens for these communities, are, are, our know, states, our countries, if, if more females are participating in sports?
1: So when we see more women participating in sports around the world, like we see much greater access to education. Interesting. Um, these women, like statistically, pe- kids and girls who participate in sports, they are more likely to go to college. Um, and that's not because they got an athletic scholarship. That's just because like they are given opportunities to develop mm-hmm. leadership skills that make them want mm-hmm. more and push for more. Um, that That's one thing. Um, we also see kind of like we mentioned a few minutes ago but like when female athletes and women's athletes make it to the highest level they are constantly pulling up other girls and women to bring them up as well we'll go back to the example of Ju- julie foudy julie foudy is a world champion and a gold medalist um now she's an announcer she also runs her own soccer camps where she provides low-cost programming for girls who are interested in playing soccer. Uh, my manager, Benita Fitzgerald Mosley, she is a gold medalist in track and field and has spent her career since she won gold um, in the LA 84 Olympics just opening the door for other women. And she was the CEO of Laureus Foundation, which provides grants to um, sports-based youth development organizations. Um, And now she is a part of the Impact Team, which helps us, my team helps provide um, organization support for orgs that are providing free sports to kids. Um, So that's another thing is, and then I, I guess the last thing that I think of, which, is also really topical because um, another member of the 99 World Cup squad, her name is Brianna Scurry. She's the goalkeeper. She was one of the only black women on the team um, and was only one of the only black uh, women's national team players for a long time. Um, she did an interview recently with a few black players on the women's national team now. And um, one of the players, said essentially that like after games, when like they get to go and meet some of the fans, like the young girls, like sometimes there will be a little like black girls seeing uh, a black player, like someone who looks like them on the national team and their parents will look at them and say, look, she looks just like you. And like that, as Mitch Purse said in this interview, like that is almost like without words, so valuable to see people who look like you who are like you succeeding at the the highest level and it's not even just in sport it's as leaders and people who like can chase their dreams like if you see someone like you like what I saw in Abby Wambach growing up like it's just so important so that's it's like an incalculable factor is actually seeing a feeling being shattered and being able to see yourself doing the yeah, same. Yeah, and I
0: think that's one of the biggest reasons I'm passionate about sport because I feel like I learned so much of my leadership skills and my ability to collaborate with the team and, you know, hey, if I work super hard at something, like, I can accomplish a goal, which now helps me you know, as a podcaster, right? Like, so just opening up the door for more people to play sports is, is such an amazing opportunity and i really like i can hear it in your, in your voice talking about you know the the people that you work for and and now like you know the goalie for usa and and the fact that she is you know having a ripple effect on people that you know never saw themselves playing you know female women soccer and it's just like then it opens that door to hey maybe i play in high school and then you know you go through you play high school you meet a couple of new people and you know Hey, maybe i'll go to college i'll go to community college and you go to community college and you're like hey i'll transfer and it's just like this really like you talk about immeasurable like ripple effect you know but it really does have a big play a big role in our communities and it's why i'm so passionate about sports so for me as a coach like how can i make sure that i'm doing my part and you know making sure that females feel included in in my programming you know talking i guess a little specifically we have like a i'm thinking specifically right now for basketball school that I work at, you know, we really, you know, just to be transparent, we don't have a lot of females, right? Like, how can I make sure that the, the few that we do feel comfortable and then want to bring their friends in so they can start loving the game of basketball?
1: I love that this is something that you are, like, hoping to expand in your, your organization, too, because um, access is obviously a huge barrier. First of all, um, like out of all of the organizations, which is about 140 that are a part of our fun play community, they, we serve about 60% Mm -hmm. boys. So like there's still inequality there. And we serve organizations that exclusively provide free or low cost programming. Um, so I think a few couple points of advice is, If you can recruit women's coaches, it's just different. Um, It's doesn't always have to be a woman's coach, but if you can, like it's really great for retention, for girls to see themselves in their coach themselves, like actually being a leader in the space after. I think also doing your best to like, make sure that it's girl centered, Um, listen to what your girls are saying, uh you reference mm. professional players and teams, make them women's teams. There's plenty of amazing athletes. Um feel free to talk about Sabrina Ionescu. She is yeah, an absolute queen, and I love watching her play as a Liberty fan. Yeah, and Scodex. Um when I was a coach for uh, girls' soccer, and I will start coaching girls' soccer again um in the fall, um took a pandemic break. Something I tried really hard to do is before and after practice, mm-hmm. show up early, have conversations with your players. Let make sure that they feel heard by you. If you get only a few words in in this fifteen minute conversation, I love that. Like feeling listened to and cared for by your coach goes a long way in feeling and fostering a sense of belonging on a team. Um, and also, I guess lastly is like make sure you're cultivating a space that um kind of relates back to my impactful leadership where people feel really safe to be themselves and like it doesn't have to be wins or losses it's you're doing your best and i'm so proud of you for doing your best um which i'm sure you're doing in boys sports as well but when there's a lot of messages in the world uh demeaning and diminishing women's sports and women's athletics um like it's just so important to make sure that this space is dedicated to girls and none of that hateful talk 100%. is tolerated.
0: And kind of, you know, what I'm hearing it, you say is focusing on progress because I think, you know, I'm, I'm around quite a few coaches and I see – and a lot of what you say honestly applies to boys as well. Um, just like, you know, the listening and focusing on progress and, and not focusing on, on in, you know, on wins so much because I think a lot of times I see a few, you know, honestly less coaches now but focus just so much on winning and the outcome and like a lot of times that is especially when you're developing young athletes is literally is is out of their control so if you're focusing on winning for someone that is going to play for their first or second time right like you're not focusing on the progress right you're only focusing on an outcome that really is out of their control because they just started playing they have to learn the skill before they learn can learn how to compete so and, and just Help, making sure that people feel like they belong, right? Like I think that applies to, to boys too. And I think sometimes, you know, boys get overlooked on that, but it's even, you know, obviously it's especially important for girls to feel like they belong when in there, when out, you know, I'm thinking about my program. I'm like, you know, there's really only one or two girls. How, how can I make sure that they feel, you know, comfortable being here, um, without me being patronizing. Right. And, you know, without being, being like super extra, like just like making sure that they feel included and, and having those like little 15 seconds before practice, like even like one, something I like to ask is just like, what do you eat before practice? You know, just like little things a lot of times, you know, cause then they start opening up like, Oh, I did this during my day and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, you don't always have to ask that, like, how's your day? And, you know, there are like little things to like get, get them to kind of open up.
1: Yeah, I love that you're asking like a very specific question and um, like giving them the opportunity to share little nuggets of their personality. Um, And also tying back to something you just said too is like we should think about Mm. how we define winning because if uh, such a slim percentage of girl athletes and athletes in general are going to make it professional, like we really need to make sure that our coaches are fostering leadership development and like personal development first and foremost as a team. So like winning can mean that 5 years after you're done coaching these kids since you coach around the middle school level, um that means like 90% of your team is going to college or um 85% of your team started caring more about their classes at school because like you let them know that it is okay for them to try and fail. Like thinking about like oh they don't need to win this tournament but like if i have three girls that are holding their head up high and i noticed this so much when i was coaching my u10 girls soccer team girls are like systematically taught to not be selfish and so we would have these little girls like running down the field dribbling the ball and they would just keep passing it Mm. even when they had a shot because they like didn't want to be the one to be selfish like I didn't notice that when I coached boys. Like it's just different. You're taught to share more. And if you have three of your ten basketball players like actually going down the court and taking a shot when they have it, even when it's risky, and like that's that's a huge development. That
0: is a huge development. And I can tell you right now, most boys don't have a problem dribbling down and shoot the ball, although some do, you know, so I'm not gonna lump them all in there. But but it is societal norms. Like I you know, it's Especially, like, yeah. I, I look at parents and I see, um, you know, the, the parents of the boys are just like, shoot the ball, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. And, you know, I, I don't have as many female uh, kids, so I can't necessarily say what it is. But I would say that that's definitely something like they get the ball. They don't even look like I'm thinking about basketball. They don't even look at the hoop, the sport, right? They look at to pass to someone else, right? Because they're like, I don't want to do it. You know, and maybe I'm honestly thinking about this right now. I'm thinking about one specific girl. You know, she has an older brother in the class, and that maybe it's also she doesn't want to make a mistake. And I think maybe I, I do try and create that environment to, but but to even you know to go back to what you were talking about, creating safe environments. And and I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you think is safe environments. But for me, it's probably just really making sure that if you shoot the ball and you miss, that's okay. Um, so just, just creating that opportunity and environment where it's okay to fail and make mistakes.
1: Absolutely. Um, I've been coaching T-ball this summer. It's a co-ed first grade league and they're so <laughs> freaking cute. Their little baseball pants that they yeah, roll up awesome. and tuck into their socks. Like I have had such a good time despite not very much about T-ball as a sport. Um, and I only have like a few girls on my team and I just like, have been absolutely thrilled with seeing how hard they get after it. Um, and like have just been roughed up with the boys. And there's like, um, there's this one girl that like, is really fast and I'm excited for her sports journey and life journey. And she'll like get the ball. And there's this one boy who has a little bit of a harder time getting the ball. Like if you know, it's hit off the tee. And so they'll both run up and she will beat him and then he'll get really upset. And it's like every day, like every Saturday when I coach, I have to have the same conversation with him that like, you are trying your best and you are like succeeding just by being here. And sometimes he'll even like take off his mitt, throw it at the ground, walk off the diamond. And I'm like, okay, you have to come back here um, because I know you're I know it's hard. Um, and the first game ever, he he did that. He stormed off, and when we switched to finally be at bat, he hit the highest nice. like uh, hit of the game. Like it went over kids' head. It was awesome. And it, this was all after like ten minutes before he was like crying because all nice. these kids kept beating him to the ball. Um, so just like like you said, encouraging kids to try so cliche it is so and,
0: and, and it really is and it's i i feel like sometimes for me in, in even giving feedback and about trying is being specific because i feel like sometimes it's a coach um and this is just probably even a little bit more general than just women's sports but it's just like you say good job but like what do you mean by that i try and be you know a little bit more specific in my feedback okay you, you know i thinking you know, basketball, you held your follow through, or I don't, I really know nothing about soccer in terms of like what what they would be doing, but being as specific as possible on on the feedback I found is is incredibly helpful. Are there any um, other, you know, kind of thoughts that you have around creating like safe environments for girls?
1: Rooting back to my core leadership thesis, which is just like really making sure that your Mm -hmm. girls feel like they're listened to. Um, But, and that's something I try to do every day um, th- that I'm coaching. And also like in terms of safety, if a player is telling you they're hurt, believe them, um, let them sit out. Um, you don't need to push a player for the sake of the game. Um, also like m- in terms of emotionally safe, like maybe the girls on your team who sign up for basketball don't know all the rules and you've been telling one player you've done four reach fouls in this scrimmage. And she's like too afraid to ask what that is because maybe she doesn't know. Like when I started playing basketball in sixth grade, that was the case for me. I had no idea what the rules were. I kept getting random fouls because I us- I grew up playing soccer. So basketball is obviously so different in terms of the contact that's allowed. And I was too afraid to ask my male coaches what these rules were because like, their daughters were on the team and they were the cool girls at the school. And I didn't want people to know that I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't want my coach to think because I don't know this rule that I should be sat out because I'm bad. You know, like that was, that was a huge thing for me. Um, And then, yeah, like referencing and championing, women, like professional athletes, even though your kids probably won't make it pro. But if you can be like, oh my gosh, that shot was just like that Nigel yep. She's so good. She plays for the Liberty. Um, like that can make a kid feel really, yeah, hundred really percent. So it's, yeah,
0: and definitely that's one thing I've been learning, and I still need to practice more. Is talking about female sports of referencing for me. You know, for me, it's the Sparks. Like a lot of times, we reference the Lakers and the Clippers because they're, they're they're the local teams, and everyone loves the Warriors because the Warriors win. So you know, kind of referencing, you know, definitely female teams. But I hear you on on that, and just really like being super again going back to being super specific because I know for a fact that's the worst thing I was at when I was a coach that went from player to coach, I like just said a bunch of things and they, and they would look at, and this is boys, but they would have no idea what I'm talking about. And the region foul is a big thing because it's still a thing. And so I, I have to like go and demonstrate, like you can't do this and this, like, otherwise if you don't show them, they don't know what you're talking about. There's a lot of lingo in sports that I think we coaches forget about that coach that, Athletes and kids, they're they're just learning so much right now. Like they have their stuff in school, they have their stuff with their parents, their friends. Like they can only take in so much. So like we have to be, we have to just be patient in, in how we teach and you know being like probably having to explain things multiple times. So I, I always have a rule of thumb: if you don't say things ten times as a coach, they're not going to learn. They're not going to, they're going to have no idea what you're talking about. Like you really have to repeat yourself quite a bit. Yeah, so just doing things ten times.
1: Out of all demographics of kids in the U.S., Latina girls have the lowest amount of participation in sports, Um, and something I'll be working on in September and October for Hispanic Heritage Month is um, we're going to be doing a morning miles challenge, raising money for the organizations that specifically target Latina youth um, in their sports programming. And in my research, learning more about why this discrepancy is here and, like, you're in LA, I'm in New York. There's obviously a ton of Spanish speakers in these areas. And there's a lot of reasons why uh, Latina youth are not playing sports. But one thing that should be pretty easy that we can start doing now is encouraging organizations and programs to mm. post bilingual uh, registration forms, putting things out in Spanish, in Chinese, in other languages um, that are going to be spoken by your community like even just doing a quick search and seeing okay most of our students come from this area this percentage of this area speak this language and then you can include different languages there because um first of all like sports registration can be daunting when a parent has to pay but also if a parent can't fully understand what is what they're paying for that can be a barrier to participation as well Um, and then even if you're able to have one coach in your program that is a fluent Spanish speaker who speaks Spanish to some of those students, even if they can speak uh, like English fluently, it can still just like make them feel more included from what I've read about like, they actually belong in this space because this space also speaks Spanish. Even though it's American basketball, it has, uh, Latinx
0: roots. Yeah, that's, that was really powerful. That's really so powerful. I did, you know, I had an opportunity to work with a couple of my coworkers through Peace Players, which your company, you know, sponsors and works with, which is, you know, small world. Uh, we were at a middle school in Watts, and both my 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 Espanol is yeah. es more model, but. Um, my coworkers both speak like fluent Spanish, and like she recognized <laughs> that like a lot of people like towards the back of the line like had no idea what we were talking about. So she started translating everyone, and um, we had someone come up to us after that work to the school, like a security guard, and being like, "This is really cool because on the playground, like they typically don't play basketball because they're like intimidated." So you know, by my, from my coworkers being able to speak that Spanish, you know, you're talking about your research is like in action. They are actually like participating in, they probably participated the least in my uh, statement because I'm, you know, the most gringo, the, the, the worst Spanish speaker of the group. But um, I think it's just in general, like it's really cool to have okay. and include other people, you know, thinking about Latinos and, and females and like other people that aren't just, you know, um, white males and, and males in sports. Like, cause again, talk, going back to your original points, sports just have so many positive effects
1: Absolutely. And I love to hear that that you are doing that. And like again, barriers to participation in sports are that's a barrier systemically like inhibiting someone from these excellent life outcomes that sports produce. So, so.
0: with that being said, like I, I wanna wrap up this conversation with like where Going towards the future, like, what are the possibilities of, like, for our society, you know, once we start really increasing access for sports, obviously for Latinos, but also for females and a lot of other people who are often excluded from sports?
1: A few ways to get excited and involved in this is uh, coaching, like, offer an array of um, activity options to your kids if, if you grew up playing football and basketball, but your kid really wants to play tennis, like that's okay. You know, you don't have to like, your kid doesn't have to do what you do, um, which oftentimes I think we see in sports, especially like parents forcing their kids to play the sports the parent played, which is almost always not an ideal way to join sports. Um, Encouraging like people in your community to be a fan, like take your kids to women's sports games. Like I'm, I am so excited. And it like always makes me tear up the kinds of role models that like these kids will have, especially young girls, uh, in the sports world that like I had to a a limited extent, but it's even more so now that the NWSL is so established. Like you maybe saw the video that came out on Twitter, like a few weeks ago, but this little boy, he had to be like three years old. He was wearing an Alex Morgan jersey and was screaming, like Alex Morgan, like screaming. And he was so cute. And then after the game, he got to, it was so cute. And after the game, he got to meet her. And it's like, you will never, that kid will never forget that. Right. Assuming he remembers it, cause he was so tiny. But like, those are the kinds of moments that are so profound. Um, no, and I hope beautiful. that that I answers so that's your That's the question. perfect way to end
0: this podcast because I think it's just so, it's so important, you know, to include the, the more people that are involved in sports as fans, as players, as coaches, the better. And obviously we have to, you know, be mindful in, uh, in the way that we practice sports because, you know, we want everyone that feels safe and have a positive experience of sports, because if they do that, they're going to you know, have more of a positive relationship with physical activity and physical activity affects our mental health. And, you know, it's, it's just that huge trickle effect leadership into, you know, job outcomes. Like it's, it's so amazing. And I think that's why I, you know, have this podcast and I'm so into the youth sports world. And I found my like niche of how I want to make the world a better place going back to, you know, the better world challenge podcast. So I've really enjoyed our conversation today, Bailey. We're computer- people you know find or connect with you if they want to you know continue this conversation and or other resources that you have for the coaches and other audience members listening
1: i am um available on linkedin and please if you're ever interested um in, like learning more about the work that we do with fun play or um the work that i'm passionate about please um reach out to me on linkedin bailey holloway um, i will be posting series that I'm really excited about, um, helping people get excited for the 2023 World Cup. Um, It's been something I've been thinking about and working on for a long time. So um, please engage with that and tell your friends to get excited because this World Cup is going to be amazing. And I'm very happy about Um, how it's looking and all the teams that have qualified. We have four teams. It's their first time uh, qualifying for the World Cup ever. Um, Four of the like 16 that have already qualified, which is really exciting. And says a lot about the movement that has happened for women's soccer around the world. Um, And yeah, I I really appreciate being a part of this, Justin. Like I have loved working with you in the past and um, I love seeing you out here Um, advocating. Appreciate you, Bailey. Thank you. So thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast. We'd love it if you would like subscribe, leave a comment and a review on whatever platform you're on It's the best way to help us grow. We appreciate you for doing that. We'll shout you out on social media. I'd also love if you connected with me on social media. Let me know your thoughts and this is why I do it. I wanna share knowledge and wisdom from experienced leaders to people like yourself and myself so we can have this dialogue and move forward, make an impact on the world. So stay tuned, stay subscribed, Cheers.